Hi, it's Peter Wright in Ontario, Canada with episode number 20 of the Yakking Podcast. And this is where we talk about life, business and more. And we bring you tips and ideas for a changing world. Uh, we don't have Kathleen with us today. She had an urgent family matter to attend to. It's all good, nothing to worry about, but she gives her apologies. We do, however, have a very interesting guest, another author, and it's my great pleasure to introduce Phil Kopp, who was introduced to me by a previous guest, Nancy Lou Henderson. And I thank Nancy for giving me some very interesting people to speak to. So welcome, Phil. Thanks for joining us. And tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, Peter, uh, let me start off by saying I was born in Hawaii. Now, usually when I tell people that, they start to get excited, but I can't teach the hula or anything because we left when I was one year old. And the reason we left is because my dad was in the Air Force. So they moved us around about every three or four years, chiefly to states within the eastern half of the United States. And uh, eventually, when I finally got out of school, my professional career began uh, when I got a job as a copy editor on a daily newspaper. And for 10 years, I worked on two daily newspapers, not at the same time, though, of course. And But as time went by, I was working until midnight and 2 a.m. in the morning, often six days a week. And at some point, I decided, hey, I'd like to see my kids grow up. So I switched to a day job with a corporation, and I worked there for 20 years. And at some point, for various reasons, uh, I and two colleagues, we decided to form our own uh, little company. Uh, we communicated benefits for a variety of clients. And so that's a, that's a recap on my professional career. But uh, I did that uh, benefits company for about 10 years. And after a while, I said, gee, I'd like to get back to doing what I really enjoy doing which is not writing about benefits for other people, but get back to fiction writing, which is something I always wanted to do, which I actually started to do many years before, but now I'm back. And I, uh, because when I was working for the, all those companies, I worked regular time, overtime, and what they did was they basically left me worn out time. Right. Now the time is all my own. That's, I'm going to ask you about your writing your book in a moment, but something, read, reading on your website, uh, a bit of your history, yeah. as you say, born in Hawaii. Did you ever get back to Hawaii? Well, actually, when uh, I was working on the newspaper, it was time to take a vacation. And I said, I'm going to go back to Hawaii to see what all the shouting's about, because you hear about it all the time. Right. My parents showed me photos that they had taken. And so I did go back, and I actually, when I went back, I was planning on interviewing with the uh, Honolulu Advertiser, which was uh, the main newspaper mm -hmm. there. But I found I could drive around the island of, o of Oahu in a half a day. And I decided, you know, I'd rather just go back to Houston, Texas, because this is, this is really too small for me. So that's, I went back to the, my regular newspaper job. Okay. Something else that struck me, um, you were talking about your schooling because you moved all over the eastern side of the states. Right. Um, so you, you did your schooling spread over four states. Um, how how yeah. did you find that? Uh, well, I didn't have a problem with moving. I guess being an Air Force kid, you just get used to it. Sure. So you learn to make new friends. But uh, you mentioned those four states. Uh, the memories I have was 
when I was in elementary school in Alabama, the first day at the in the third grade, all the kids were barefooted, or most of them. Yeah. So my mom said, well, if they are, you can be barefooted too. So I went to school barefooted for the third grade, playing uh, kickball and softball and walking home, picking blueberries. And I just loved it. Oh, yeah. 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 And then uh, later on, we went to Virginia. What I do remember about that is that I had a really good friend there, but he would throw dog poop at me. <laughs> it, it wasn't fresh poop, fortunately. It was dried dog poop. And, uh, but I couldn't throw it back at him because it was winter. Because he it was winter and he had gloves on and I did. But it was, did good the... pra- it was a good practice for dodgeball, I will say that. <laughs> oh, yeah, some good memories there, certainly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been reading um, your, your website's interesting. The sort of byline, the tagline is Follies, Fun Follies and Loss of Innocence in Novel Land. And I, I was reading some of your stories. And uh, yes. so you existed for a whole year while you were writing your novel with, without working. Uh, how did That's you survive? Right. How did you survive? Well, uh, I had a grub stake of $1,800 to last me for that year. And I basically did not want to get a real job because I wanted to be a writer for my entire life. Uh, The trick to that is simply to get a really old apartment in a really old building. And the first old apartment I had was in a building that was so old that it had a Murphy bed. And for those people who don't know what a Murphy bed is, it stands up on its end inside a closet. You open the closet doors, you pull the frame down, it takes up half of your living room. It also had an air conditioner, but the air conditioner was so weak, I had to put a chair one foot in front of it, and then it would spit water on me through the vents. So after a while, I said, I got to get something better than this. So I found an old, uh, an old home that had been sectioned off into four apartments. I had one of them. Uh, still no air conditioning, but it had a ceiling fan, and that's before ceiling fans were cool, figuratively yep. speaking. And I uh, stretched my money. I didn't do like a lot of young guys. I didn't buy a TV. I didn't buy a stereo system. I didn't go to restaurants that cost any more than fast food restaurants. When I shopped at the grocery store, I made I made sure I'd have good nutrition like a lot of bananas and spammed it. <laughs> and, and again, reading one of your, one of your uh, posts on your site there, you spent, because of the weak air conditioner, I guess, and not wanting to wear your good clothes, you spent most of that time writing in your underwear, correct? Absolutely. This was yeah. my, uh, the dream goal for my life, to be a fiction writer in my underwear, and that, that would uh, sustain me for the rest of my life. Right. Ah, good stuff. I, I'm I'm lucky, like you, I, I guess like you are now. I, I work from home. I've been working from home for 10 years. So, and coming from Africa, my, my traditional clothing when I was farming was a pair of shorts and a, a shirt in Africa. So I can get away with shorts here. I've got a sweater on today because we're up to about, uh, we're into the 60s Fahrenheit. It's sunny outside, but I didn't light the, fir- we heat with wood and I didn't light the furnace today. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a yeah. bit cooler than that inside, you know, but it's, I can imagine. It's only the second, the third day that I haven't lit, lit the furnace for a whole 24 hours since September last year. We've had a, not a very cold winter, but a long one. It just went on and on and on, you know. Yeah. So. Well, I do know years ago, I took a vacation up to Canada, to Calgary. Okay. This was, this was in the middle of the summer, but we still had to make a decision 
whether we wanted to lug around a jacket just in case we needed it in the middle of the summer. Sometimes we did. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You, sometimes you definitely would. So let's talk about your writing. I, I really enjoy your writing. You've got a, a style. Uh, the word sardonic comes to mind. That's perhaps not, not accurate enough. I, I like your sort of dry humor. It's, it's, Reminds me of many British writers or a British style of writing. So, no, I'm being as a compliment. <laughs> I, I'm being complimentary because it's um, it, it's provocative, entertaining, and and uh, I, I just like it because um, it's different to a lot of the stuff that that we read. So, is, have you been developing that style over a lifetime of writing? Well, I I guess you could say so. Like when I was working for the corporations and producing publications to explain benefits to employees, I would sneak in stuff for the purpose of humor. Mm -hmm. For example, I, I recall that uh, they made some changes in the medical plan and uh, the employees were griping about it because they weren't the best changes that they would have wanted. And so I said, well, let's remind them of what this medical plan has done for them. And so, so I had a list of what the medical plan had paid for over the past year. And, you know, it paid for uh, 50 hernia operations and it paid for this many operations. And I snuck in, it paid for 101 Dalmatians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So no, that's, that's good. It got, to, it got to where people were reading my material looking for the funny stuff that was snuck in there right yeah. <clears throat> that's the feeling that's what i wanted to do and the more of your posts i read i thought well what's he going to put into this one you know that i've right. got to actually right. look for and it yes. won't it won't hit me on top of the head so that's that that's really good so you, you said that you you worked in the corporate world again for about uh, i think quite a long time 20 years and then you decided to start your your own little communications firm so right. what what was the trigger there was to get back, get away from working the long hours and uh, spending more time with your kids so you could spend more time with the family. Is that right? Well, actually spending more time with the family is why I left the newspaper world. Right. Then I got a day job in the corporate world. But okay. Why I, why I left the corporate world and started my own company is because one day I went into work and in the on my corporate job, turned on the computer, and there was an alarming announcement that said, we are going to merge with our worst competitor. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my God. And it's, it's kind of like merging with the evil empire, if you yep. get my trip. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I noticed that I had to uh, confer with the counterparts in the other company because it's going to take about a year to put these two corporations together. And I noticed that I was getting emails from those people at 2 a.m., 3 a.m., and 4 a.m. in the morning. I thought, hey, I don't want to work like that again. No, no, and I was, no. I was actually offered the job of being the director of benefit communications for this combined company. And I learned long ago in life, when you have a bad gut feeling, you better listen to it or you'd be sorry you didn't. And so I turned them down. And then two, I and two of my colleagues, we started our own benefits communications company. Right. Okay. And you were, you were in that for 10 years, right? I did that for 10 years. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And then <clears throat> had you had enough of that as well? Uh, did you decide it was time to move on back to the writing? Yes, I decided that 
I just don't need to deal with clients anymore because they have demands. And when you're dependent on those clients, you have to jump when they say oh, yeah. to jump. And even like one, one time I thought, okay, Uh, my internet is giving trouble. I'll be back in a moment, I guess. My my internet's a little intermittent, Phil, but it it'll okay. come back. Now we are. We're back. We're back. So it does okay. this at times. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So now, so what's your life like now? You spend most of the day writing. Uh, well, I spend like the morning writing, mm -hmm. and uh, when you become a writer. You like to get tips from other writers, especially those who are successful. And uh, basically, I don't try to write all day long. Uh, I write in the morning. when it, That's when I do my best writing, when I'm fresh. Mm -hmm. And then in the afternoon, I spend that uh, trying to do marketing, to get my name out in advance of when my book will come out so that people will hopefully will be looking forward to uh, seeing it. Well, I'm looking forward to it because just a bit of re I've read of your writing on your posts on your website. I, I'm really looking forward to the book. And I saw I went and checked up today and your editing you put there is 34 percent done. Yes. Well, I need to correct that. It's probably more like about 46 percent now. <laughs> oh, that's that, that's good. So have you got a date for for getting it published? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, I'm estimating three months to six months from now, because in addition to writing the novel, as part of the marketing of myself, I'm also writing a newsletter. Mm -hmm. I'm, I see also that. Writing, I'm also writing a novella, which will be, which is, a, for those who don't know, it's like a short novel, a very long short story, so to speak. And that's going to be a giveaway for free. And so people uh, can get used to my writing style and say, hey, I kind of like that. So the it's an inducement to look forward to the book coming out. So I'm kind of doing three or four things at the same time. Same time. Oh, that's, that's a good strategy. And then um, I know we spoke about Nancy and, and again, I thank Nancy for putting me on to you. Um, uh -huh. I, have you, uh, do you know Chuck as well? Chuck Bartok, are you in the, the group of writers that talk to Chuck? Yes. Uh, I'm in several of the Facebook, Facebook writing groups and uh, Chuck comments and I comment mm -hmm. and uh, Chuck has reached out to me and uh, uh, I consider Chuck and Nancy to be some of my biggest fans so far. And, and I really appreciate their uh, supporting me. Yeah, no, they're, they are really good um, helping people, helping writers. Very good. So how are you going to publish? Have you decided yet? Will you be self-publishing, traditional publisher, something in between? Well, what I uh, started out to do was to go traditional publishing. I that's saw that, I, yeah. That's all I'd ever heard about. And you have these romantic visions of what that's going to be like. They're going to fly you around the United States and get your expensive hotel rooms and get you on all the TV talk shows. <laughs> but... In uh, Facebook writing groups, hearing from other writers' experiences, and then Googling on my own the advantages and disadvantages of traditional publishing, that kind of opened my eyes. And then I started investigating independent publishing, what they call indie publishing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, I became somewhat interested in that, and that's the route I decided to go. Good. Good, good. Yeah, I, I have one book, which is it's a nonfiction based on my life in Africa. And 
I was at a crossroads um, and I needed it because I was doing quite a lot of public speaking at the time. So I wanted the book to sell at the back of the room. And I went the self-publishing route and uh, it was actually a lot more simple than I thought it was going to be. So it was an interesting exercise. Um, what I'll do with the next one, which is not anywhere near as far forward as yours, I, I don't know, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll we'll see. Um, another thing I picked up on your website was uh, learning French, running a marathon, and playing guitar. And, and I have to ask you, is this a, because I've done all three of those too? I wondered if this is a writer thing. Well, I thought it was just me, but since there's two of us, it must be a writer thing. And a few more, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, have you? what's your favorite marathon? Well, um, I started running when I was in college. I kept that up all my life. Uh-huh. But I always wanted to run a marathon, but I told myself, there's no way you can do that. The one thing I've learned in life is you tell yourself you cannot to do something, by golly, you're right, you can't do it. Mm -hmm. Until one day when I uh, was in my 50s, I told myself, doggone it, I'm going to do it. So I got myself a training book for first-time marathoners. I entered the Wichita, Kansas Marathon. I finished it in about five hours and 45 minutes. Good one. And I did not come in last. Uh, that was the first and last time I got the experience. I'm glad I had it. Now I just do casual running. Right. Very good. Ah, that's great. And uh, and the French, is, uh, what was the motivation for learning French? Well, there are a couple of motivations. One is I spent a combined five years studying French in high school and college. Mm -hmm. I came out of that being able to speak two sentences and not understanding any spoken French. Really? Yeah. Yes. And so I was pretty well disgusted by the whole thing. So I decided I'm going to teach myself Spanish. So I actually started teaching myself Spanish. This was quite some time ago. But now uh, I know Spanish fairly well. I can get along well in Spanish. But I decided I'm going to take up French again, and I'm going to teach myself the way I did Spanish. And another reason, too, is that if you get to be a certain age, you just like you want to run to keep your body physically fit, I want to keep my mind fit yep. because, uh, you know, you've got ramen noodles up here and you got to keep them hot and cooking rather than cold and soggy. So that's Absolutely. the reason I'm studying the French. The French, right. Interesting. Right. Yeah, I, like you, I, I did three years of French at school and uh, then didn't touch it for, for some years. And then in my, I guess my late 30s, I started, I was living in Africa. I started traveling to Francophone Africa on business. I thought I remember a little bit of French, so I did uh, two years of lessons with uh, a small college, and I got up to university entrance level, and then I got stuck in uh, Rwanda before the civil war there in an area where no one spoke English at all, and it was under uh, quarantine, mm -hmm. and my French improved dramatically. <laughs> and, I imagine, I imagine. And then I came to Canada, and I thought, well, I'll be able to speak French, but where I live, very few French speakers. I speak a little bit, but but not much, no. Right. What about the guitar? Has that been a lifelong hobby? I have been consistently inconsistent <laughs> <laughs> playing the guitar. I can play House of the Rising Sun okay. fairly well. I'm not going to demonstrate it. But uh, I say my guitar playing, it's like picking at a scab, really. That's what it's like. <laughs> 
I, I was the opposite. Um, my, my father, my late father, played uh, clarinet. In a, he was in the British Army in India before the Second World War, and he was in the band, and he played clarinet. And apparently he was quite good. I never heard him play the clarinet. And he was one of those guys who years later sat at a piano and started playing uh, yesterday, the Beatles yesterday. And I said, hmm. how, how can you play that? He said, oh, I've heard, you, heard it on the radio when you've been listening to it. I said, but you've got oh. no music in front of you. He said, no, I just remember the tune. And he could play virtually hmm. any, anything reasonably well. So I was amazed. So when I was 10 at school, they started us singing and music. And they t my teacher said, you know, you're absolutely useless. You'll never be able to sing or play, a, play an instrument. You know? They weren't yeah. that kind in those days. Yeah. Uh, so I, I went most of my life believing I couldn't do it until I was, I needed a goal like you with the running. I needed mm -hmm. a goal yeah. in my 60s. And I went out and bought a guitar. And, uh, okay. I, but like you, I have a, well, probably not as good as you, a very limited repertoire. But I can read music and I can oh, play okay. some recognizable tunes. Okay. House of the Rising Sun, I can't manage yet. <laughs> but I, it's in one of my books. Do you do that finger style or with a pick? I do that finger style. Finger that's style. Like. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can do a little bit finger style. Uh, that's interesting. Um, must be a writer thing. Tell me, uh, for other people, you, you've been writing business or for, for pleasure <clears throat> because you like it for most of your life, one way or the other. So people who haven't been writing, and I've come a across quite a few people our sort of age who've retired from all sorts of jobs, careers, professions, businesses, and they looking for something to do and they think about writing. So what would you advise a, a mature person looking at writing for the first time? Well, for the first time, what I mentioned earlier, there are two routes to go these days, traditional and independent. Mm -hmm. And you have to realize that there's more to putting out a book than just writing it. Whether you go traditional or you go independent, you're going to have to market the book yourself. Because yep. the traditional publishers, they got marketing money, but they spend it on the guys who really don't need it, like Stephen King or John yep. Gresham. So you need to understand that there's more to writing than just writing the manuscript. You're going to have to market the book yourself. And I would say, you know, look up the advantages and disadvantages of each route and decide which way you want to go. Yeah. What about actually getting into writing? I've heard, you know, people say, I really want to write. I've got ideas in my head. But when I sit down at my computer or with a pen and paper, I just can't get started. How would you help people get past that block? And I've heard that a lot from people. I would say uh, start practicing. By that, uh, somebody asked me once, what would you do over if you could do it over? Like when I was young, mm -hmm. uh, I always thought oh, well, I could be a writer, but I didn't know what to write about. And so what you could do is just pick a topic and write on that topic and then make up a little short story based on that real topic. Yeah. And then... Practice writing it in different styles. Practice writing it in a funny style. Practice writing it in a very serious style. Practice stream of consciousness. Practice uh, writing in a very romantic, florid style. Practice writing it in a very clipped style, such as maybe Ernest Hemingway may mm -hmm. have written that story. The idea is just like uh, lifting weights to get stronger. You're practicing a means of writing, and you may come to find a style that fits you. 
And then by that time, you may have decided, well, I want to write romance or I want to write horror. And what you can also do is get somebody's book, a fiction writer's book that you actually enjoy, and read that book. So read 30 pages. And then think about what they wrote and how they did it. And study in there, say, oh, here's what he did at this point to keep me interested. Or here's Mm -hmm. where he did this to scare me and how he did it. So you you don't just have to sit down and start saying, oh, i got to write a book right now. You can practice writing. Sure, To have a good idea, to have a good story idea. Yeah. And... uh... I guess if you read a wide, a lot, read about a lot of different writers or read the work of a lot of writers in different styles, that would help. I'll give you an example that as a younger guy, I'd never read uh, G.K. Chesterton's Father Brown stories, you know, the British um, mm-hmm. detective, priest who was a detective. And a friend of mine recently gave me an old copy. He said, you might enjoy this. So I read mm-hmm. it over several evenings, my last thing at night, before, and I really enjoyed it. It's an antiquated, written in the 50s, I think, or even before, right. antiquated style. But I thought, wow, this is something you don't see nowadays. And I, and I right. really enjoyed the way it was written. You know? So, yeah, it all, it all helps. We, we are sort of getting towards the end of our time, Phil. Now, okay. pe- people who want to follow you... Uh, <clears throat> Your, tell me your website. Where can they go to that follow is you on I will get that correct. And I'll put that on a caption for our viewers under underneath okay. the, the video so they can see that. Uh, do you have an author's page on Facebook, for instance? Yes, I do. That is Phil Cobb Author. Phil Cobb author on Facebook. Okay, I will put that on there. And you have a newsletter, of course. So tell me a little bit about your newsletter. Okay, my newsletter, uh, you're asking when my book's going to be coming out. Mm -hmm. Uh, People who sign up for my newsletter, I will put a little tidbit in there every time about my book, the progress I made, and give some hints and clues about what it's going to be about. But the main aspect of the newsletter is I lead it off with an article. Usually it's humorous, uh, light, uh, light writing. Uh, for example, in this current issue, I write about what I call driver training jitters. That's back when I was in high school. Me and two other scared teenagers got into the high school's driver training car with the instructor, and I feared for my life for good <laughs> reasons. So that's what that article is about. Prior, uh, prior issues, I wrote about the girl in the chicken pen how she got chased into the chicken pen, what happened to her after she got in there. That's also And another issue I wrote about my turkey trouble in which we moved into a brand new house. We're trying to cook a turkey for the first time. I thought our house was going to burn down. (laughs) Oh dear. I'm going to sign up for a newsletter because those all sound really interesting. I'm going to do that. So Phil, thanks again. Thank you very much for coming on our show and your video will be edited with the captions. I'll send it off to you. And if you see any of my errors, which I sometimes do, uh, let me know and I'll correct them straight away. Okay. It probably won't be published. We've got a couple in the pipeline until I guess next week, but as soon as it's ready, I'll send you the link and it'll be on our our Podbean as the platform we use for our audio podcast. So people can listen in their car if they like. It goes out on Spotify. So I will do all that. So thanks once again, Phil. 
Sounds good. I'm going to stop the recording now. Goodbye, everybody.